0: Hi, I'm Indigo. And I'm Christy. And welcome to Let's Get Liddy, a chaotic bookish podcast. (laughs) Cheers! Cheers. Boarding lgl air flight 004 welcome to
1: around the world in 60 ish minutes <laughs> <laughs> all right welcome back dear listeners um, thank you for so much love on all of our other episodes we've got three more if you're just not discovering <laughs> us Um, But thank you so much for the love. Um, And we are back today with an adventure.
0: We are so excited. Um, Today, we are going to take you guys on a world tour of uh, some of our favorite international books.
1: So we will be traveling across um, the world today featuring some different locations. Um, not all of them. We have so many other books. So I think we do. We'll be doing a series here. Um, Keep but, an eye out for this recurring segment. Literally. <laughs> uh, but we have wonderful, wonderful books. We're super excited to talk about today. Um, and so for our first descent into um, our first stop, we're going to go to Nigeria.
0: Ooh. Our first book, as we said, it takes place in Nigeria, and it is... My Sister, the Serial Killer by Oyiko Braithwaite, <laughs> which I have finally read. <laughs>
1: finally, <laughs> much to Indigo's hype, it uh, was such a treat. It's such a fun, quick little story. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I mean, I devoured it. It took me just a couple of days, mm-hmm. uh, but you read it in like three
0: hours. In three hours. So when I read this, I like sat down on a Sunday night at nine o'clock, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna take a Sunday night bath." Like I got this book that I've been so excited to read. I'm going to start it. So I started it in the bath. I think I sat in the bathtub until like 1030. And then I was like, oh, all the heat has left the water. I am freezing. I should get out now. <laughs> and I got out and I went to bed and I was like, okay, I'm just going to read one more chapter before I go to bed. Um, and I ended up staying up until midnight uh, to finish it. And so I literally read it in three hours. It's just so <laughs> easy to keep reading. So it the is. Books, the
1: chapters are like insanely short, which mm-hmm. for me means I am going to eat that book up. hmm um, um, like, the chapters can be a couple pages, sometimes barely even a page, mm-hmm. and so it just is, like, it gives you that false sense of security of, like, oh, well, I could just read. I could just read one. One or two more. I could just read one more. And mm-hmm. then you just keep doing that until all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, like, I have demolished this book. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also it keeps you, like, roped in. You are riveted. Like, I are you just, I mean, the way that it starts, like, you are just pulled right in, mm-hmm. and you just need, like, the tension is being built right away, and you just have to figure it out.
0: I, one of the things that I really love about this book is that I mean it focuses so much on the sisterhood dynamic right between Ayula and Mm Karede, and um and I I think one of the things that's so strong about this book is it shows you that sisterhood dynamic it doesn't tell you so like when it gives you backstory it's after you're already in the story Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. you're already starting to see these elements like played out right and so, yeah, so you jump right in. Well, and, like, the opening page
1: is, like, literally that um, mm-hmm. Ayula has committed a murder. Like, that's not yes. a spoiler. Obviously, the title is My Sister the Serial Killer. Yeah. Um, but it literally, that is the what you open up to is like, Aula calling Krieta to go and literally How? clean up yeah. this murder that she's committed. <laughs> so that is, like, within the first page. Like, yeah. you get that information. Um, and, again, shocker, this book is about her <laughs> sister who is a serial killer yeah. um, and navigating that. And mm-hmm. so, and I agree with you completely, that like, what makes this book so special is it has this kind of dark humor to it of, mm-hmm. like, this sister being a serial killer and navigating that family dynamic of, yes. oh my gosh, my sister is is a serial killer but on top of that that true like sisterhood bond yeah sister and family over Ooh. anything um and that's such a really powerful thing to be illustrated through <laughs> this very darkly this, funny like, situation yeah. yeah
0: so obviously we're super excited to talk about this one um before we get too much further into it a quick like synopsis like plot of it um so yeah <laughs> realized after I started talking about like oh my god this book is so good We're wait tell you, you don't know what it's it. talking about <laughs> <laughs> um so the book follows Karede, who is the older sister it's uh her her sister Ayula and their mom um and Karede is a nurse uh and her sister is like the golden child so like one of the things I loved is like the golden child black sheep dynamic in this family um but Ayula is like the princess of the family and she has killed three of her boyfriends and so we enter the book when she calls Karede because she's killed the third and every time she claims that it was self defense and like they were coming at me and he, and like he had a knife and I managed to get it from him and I stabbed him and you have to help me clean it up and so uh, she calls Ayula after the third one and Ayula's like okay I'll help you like you're my sister or whatever like I believe you Link, I believe you um, but then what happens is after this third one uh Ayula comes to visit Karede at work and she starts dating one of the doctors that Ayula has secretly been crushing on her, for Karede like years in love with this dude yeah or and Karede's been crushing and on
1: always thought like mm-hmm. they were gonna end up together and, and just, just Ayula and the biggest she, thing too is Ayula is like constantly described as just drop dead she's beautiful like and Korea is never described that way. She's always mm-hmm. been, like, she kind of describes herself as like, she kind of looks like her mom. Like, she doesn't mm-hmm. have the curves. She doesn't have the looks. She, and so she, like,
0: pales in comparison yeah. she, um, to Ayula. She kind of describes herself, so Ayula is very, like, first impression stunning. And then Coretta is very, like, the more you get to know her, the more her qualities come out. And, like, mm-hmm. that's her winning side. But the thing is, nobody ever wants to get to it's know hard. her because Ayula is so beautiful that they they want to just right. See and the their sister head
1: over heels for her, despite and then you know there's always this constant feeling for Corianna that's like if you only knew, like mm-hmm. if you only knew, and if you only of, like, knew page. how like
0: actually psycho my sister is. <laughs> and then
1: like, but everyone is so like not in love, but just like enraptured by and mm-hmm. uh, by Ayoola that like even when she tries to mention or hint at anything like no, like everyone just thinks she's yes. bitter and she's jealous, and so yes. there's this like people are always, and part of it is Ayula kind of does this as well. She
0: plays it up. She
1: knows when to play it up and when to not. She
0: definitely I think Ayula kind of knows that like in terms of like moral, like the measurement of their morality that like Corete is a better person. Mm -hmm. And so I Mm -hmm. think Ayula loves to kind of assert herself and put herself on this pedestal so that nobody ever like takes the time to look at Coretta, because if mm-hmm. anyone actually valued Coretta for the person that she is, like, she, w- like, she would leave her family. Right, right. And then, of course, Ayla would then lose her safety mm-hmm. net, that who
1: protects her and keeps her safe. Um, so it's, again, it's such a powerful and really hilariously dark mm-hmm. um, way to dive into sister dynamics and family dynamics um, and that level of, like, sibling protection. Yes. Like, there's constantly, I feel like, jokes of, like, oh, yeah, I would, like like, help bury a body for my sibling, mm-hmm. and here we have like, actually,
0: she actually does doing it. That. Yeah, um, and like, because she's so fastidious, like she's so, like, detail oriented that like we literally get descriptions of how she's scrubbing the gout in like the grout mm-hmm. in the shower to like make sure that there's no traces of blood yep it's so good it's such a quick read so mm-hmm.
1: i gave it four stars you gave it five stars. i gave it
0: five stars i totally loved it um i yeah it just totally blew me away and i really loved that um the book is kind of examining this whole turning point for karete right where like you know Uh, true crime has become like really big like Mm -hmm. in our society and people pay more attention to it and so every like it's common knowledge for people who are interested in true crime and serial killers that serial killers become serial killers when they have killed three people and so we enter the book after Ayula has killed her third person Mm -hmm. and so the whole book is created battling where she's like okay this has happened three times like what's like, wrong with it you can't like, yeah and so gonna she's do? and so she's faced with that she's faced with like the dream of what she thought her future was gonna be is now in jeopardy right because of her sister because obviously the guy's gonna fall in love with her sister and they're gonna live happily right. ever after if a doesn't kill him right um And so it's just this beautiful, like, image of, like, the whole book is so beautiful because it's battling, like, family loyalty and, like, selfishness, Mm -hmm. like, like, what do I want for myself aside when it's in direct conflict with what my
1: family wants. Right. Well, and particularly because of this book taking place in Nigeria, like, the family culture is so strong. Mm -hmm. And so it is so difficult for her to even try to do anything differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And to try to, like, she's not allowed to go off and do her own thing. It is very well known, and especially because she is the older sister, like, whenever Eula acts out, just culturally, she is responsible. Mm -hmm. Like, she is essentially a, a kind of mother figure to Ayla, so mm-hmm. whenever she acts up, like, that is her fault. Yeah. Um, and, and so navigating that, of course, mm-hmm. on, like, in kind of the small scale of, like, oh, well, sh- you know, Ayla's room isn't clean, or she, you know, acted out at dinner, mm-hmm. versus, like, she literally killed people. So, it, like, yeah. feels so responsible
0: for that because yeah. of, that cultural dynamic that's Well, play. exactly. And so then she's examining, like, okay, well, if my sister is a serial killer and the situation isn't what she said it is like how does this reflect on me mm-hmm. like ha- like what in my influence led her to be like this so it's a fantastic book um, it's so amazing like it's so action packed but like when you sit and like you try and tell someone what happened it's like okay well she goes to work a lot and then she goes home and she cooks but like what <laughs> happens more I happens. swear it's
1: real <laughs> so definitely recommend this one it's such a good read um, and it's of course we love the fact that it takes place in a different country mm-hmm. um, but also also, it's really cool. We were just looking up. This book was not originally printed in English. Mm-hmm. It is that we're reading the translated version, which I also yes. think is really incredible. It's not written for the American mm-hmm. English audience. It was written mm-hmm. for um, essentially an African audience, which yeah. I think is really cool.
0: Well, and it's so interesting. I I enjoy reading translations because, like, um, you know, translators pour a lot of their soul into the work that they do because they have to think about, like, okay, this is the idea that the author has written. Written down, um, and obviously you can't always do direct translations. So I feel like translations are so interesting to read, and we're going to talk about another translation later on in the episode. Um, translations are so fun to read because it is almost like a joint effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that book is
1: so good. So definitely check that one out. If you have read it, let us know what you think. If you haven't read it, what are you doing? It's yeah. a super fast <laughs> read. Get on that.
0: Okay. Um, So we hope you've enjoyed your visit, your first visit uh, to Nigeria. We will now be departing. uh, So please make sure that your seat backs and tray tables are in the upright and locked position as we get to our cruising altitude. (laughs) And Indigo, where are we headed next? So our next stop on our trip around the world is Italy. (laughs) So I am so excited uh, to talk about um, a book that Christy has not Read yet? This is kind of my pitch to move it up the TBR. The I got my shelf literally right now. I literally lent her my copy the last time we were recorded. I was like, I, I think I was a drink and a half in, and I was like, Christy, take it, take it, take literally. it. <laughs> and I'm so excited about it because you've you've hyped it up. Yeah. And I cannot
1: wait yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. more right
0: now. So the next book is The Starcrossed Sisters of Tuscany by Laurie Nelson Spielman. Um, I loved this book. <laughs> it was so good um so the synopsis of this book is that there is this huge expansive italian american family in new york um and we are following the second daughter of like the current generation and in this family there is believed to be a curse uh that all second daughter fontana girls will never find love and how it has played out in this is it's so interesting that we talked about my sister the serial killer before this um how it plays out in this is every first daughter is the golden child and every second daughter is the black sheep and so all of the focus is always on the first daughter because that's going to be the one who gets married who continues the family line Um, And so what happens, so the second daughter, Amelia, um, has an estranged aunt named Poppy, who is her grandmother's younger sister. So Poppy is the second daughter of the previous generation. Um, And then we also have Amelia's cousin, Lucy, who is another second daughter. Um, And that one is so interesting because her mother married into the family. And so her mother was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not gonna let this stand um and so what is so cool about this book is we've got amelia who is like the definition of a wallflower like she doesn't stand out she does everything her family tells her to do my favorite thing is they describe her she literally has had the same glasses for 10 years and she just gets new lenses put in they don't make the frames anymore they're not attractive um but her thing is like she doesn't care about her looks because like she's never gonna find love right Mm -hmm. and so she's like oh but look like you can't break them they bend all these ways so she's got these ugly glasses that she refuses to upgrade like she's got like a signature low ponytail and like it's not cute and like father's (laughs) father's look yeah father's look like She doesn't own a bra that's not a sports bra. Like, that's it. And so she works in the bakery, and it's so, you know, one of these first scenes that we get is um, she's in the bakery with uh, her cousin camilla who is the first daughter so she's lucy's older sister um and they're in the bakery and this like wall street businessman comes in and he gets a box of cannolis for a meeting and he's like my team loves your cannolis so much like can i meet the baker and amelia is the baker and so she's like oh my gosh and she's like you know dusting flour off her hands and she's going to walk out the door and her grandma stops her at the door and sends camilla out to meet oh. this handsome Wall Street banker and like flirt with him because they don't want to they don't want to waste him on a right. second dollar Ugh. on a second daughter yeah and so uh yeah so then what happens is she hears from poppy um and poppy is coming up on her 80th birthday and when she was younger she fell madly in love and she told the guy like meet me on the steps of this cathedral on my 80th birthday Um, So we can get married. And so she is pitching to Amelia and Lucy. She's like, come on this trip with me and we'll break the curse. Like we will go on this trip and we will break the curse. Um, And they initially turn it down because their grandma doesn't want them to go. The grandma does not talk to the aunt like at all. Um, And she's like, no. You can't go. And, uh, um, Amelia's best friend, who's named Matt, who's, like, madly in love with her, and she's like, oh, whatever, like, it's, we're just friends. (laughs) Um, her best friend Matt is like, you have to go. You've always wanted to go to Italy. Like, you want to be a writer. Like, you need to go have these experiences. Like, you need to go do this. Um, and so they end up defying their grandma's exp- like their grandma's explicit wishes, and they go to Italy with Poppy. Um, and I loved this book so much because Poppy is a free spirit who rejected the mold that her family wanted to try and put her in. Like, she wouldn't agree to it, um, and she's. Trying to show Amelia and Lucy that they can break the curse by not being what their family wants. Like, Amelia is a wallflower because her family never wanted to pay attention to her. And Lucy is constantly chasing after these deadbeat guys and, like, is dressing provocatively and stuff like that um, because her mom has told her that she has to break the curse. And mm-hmm. so, Lucy, or, or yeah, Lucy is trying to do anything that she can to, like, get someone to want her. And she's not being, like, neither of them is being their authentic self. Mm-hmm. And so it's so beautiful because poppy is like a spinster you know she's been living by herself she's an artist she has a horse she's like 79 riding a horse like it's amazing and she takes them to italy and so they start in venice um and they're trying to like break out of their shells so like they get uh, amelia new glasses they get her like this super chic pair of tortoiseshell glasses um and poppy takes them on a tour of italy of all of her favorite places um and they meet some amazing people and like they're figuring out who they are and they well i'm not going to spoil it they get <laughs> to the final destination um which, like, the journey there is just so beautiful. Um, And it's so wonderful because we get to see these people, like, these incredible characters, like, coming to terms with the parts of themselves that they haven't addressed, that they haven't wanted to face, um, and forming these incredible relationships. And it's so interesting, like, it was so touching because it's found family within an existing family. Like, because mm-hmm. this is another story where, like, the family traditions mm-hmm. and, like, the family lines are so ingrained right. because of tradition. Right. Um, and so then we see these members that were, like, always expected to obey, like nobody takes them seriously, um, they start to reject that and they start to like find their own place. Um, It was so amazing. And one of the things that I love is like the way that she wrote the scenes was so beautiful. Um, But she also name dropped specific places. And so I Googled them. Like, as I was reading it and I was, like, looking at these pictures of these places and I, like, was able to envision myself there. It was so, 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 so wonderful. I loved it so much. <laughs> I know. I was, like, well, and
1: I feel like it wasn't one you expected to love. It was Like, I don't feel like it was really on your radar. Mm-mm. Not one that you were, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I know I'm going to love this. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like this one just came out, like... And basically, like, punched you in the face with yes. how much you loved it. Yes,
0: absolutely. It was one I picked from Book of the Month because I read, like, the little Book of the Month synopsis. And I was like, ooh, like, it's it's a multi-generation. Like, they're going on a world trip to, like, break a curse. Like, yeah, this sounds interesting. But then it ended up being, like, so much more than that. Um, and what's really gratifying is, like, the book doesn't end at the final destination in Italy. Like, we see them go back to New York. And we see her, like, try to interact with her family now that she. She knows like the dynamics and like she tells them that it's not okay the way that they've been treating her and like she stands up for herself and it's so moving um yeah I loved it five star read for me it was so 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 good
1: as it honestly blew me away and why I was like oh my gosh I have to read this was because it was not a book that you knew that you were gonna love like mm-hmm. I feel like some books like you just know yes like you you know the premise you know the mm-hmm. author you know whatever and you're like this you know, is know gonna you're gonna, be gonna love it yeah but this one I feel like came out of left field for you absolutely, absolutely. To me, was like what the deal sealer was is like. Put it on my TBR Mm -hmm. and give me that copy. I will be reading it. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I. I thought I would like it. I didn't think that I would love it. Like, I couldn't put it down. I was constantly reading it. Um, I was, like, yabbering to Jordan about it. I was like, oh, my God, Jordan, babe, let me tell you what's going on in the book. You got to know what's going on in the book.
1: (laughs) It sounds like it's perfect, especially if it gives me, like, the summertime vibes. Yes. And I feel like it's perfect for this, like, summer vacay
0: that I can't afford to go on type of energy. And I let me live vicariously through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah, the summertime vibes in it are impeccable. Impact. Incredible. Okay, I am here with a very special guest. The one, the only, Jordan!
2: Thank you, thank you.
0: So, Jordan, you made for us today a couple of delectable drinks. Do you want to tell us about them? Stunning! So good! Yeah,
2: absolutely. It took a little extra time today. Um, I whipped up uh, a couple cocktails based on the books that you two had mutually read this episode. Uh, So, um, the... Chestnut Man. Yeah, the Chestnut Man, um, which was... uh, kind of difficult because i was going to try and find a chestnut syrup but it's not really in season because it's the middle of summer <laughs> so um i just went for kind of some sort of chocolate truffle esque uh, nutty chocolatey cocktail i went with a pecan praline whiskey uh, mixed in a couple kinds of amaretto some tirani chocolate syrup uh, some heavy cream stirred that in and then uh Whipped up some of the heavy cream and uh, drizzled it with some more of the chocolate syrup. So
0: I'm going to jump in right there because he makes it sound super like low-key like, oh yeah, I just whipped this up. No, 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 folks, folks, he homemade whipped cream for this. (laughs) That's what he did. (laughs) Doing the most and we appreciate you.
2: Yeah, but basically it tastes like a chocolate milkshake.
0: It's delicious and... I'm honestly a little amazed at the amount of alcohol that you listed is going into this because you can't taste it. <laughs> like, you can't taste it at all.
2: All right. Uh, then I've got the challenge of coming up with a Nigerian cocktail mm-hmm. for uh, My Sister is a Serial Killer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and... Uh, I looked it up, and apparently the uh, national cocktail is something called the Chapman, but it's uh, typically a non-alcoholic cocktail that's meant as a summer sangria sort of drink. um, That's literally just, you know, uh, orange soda, it said Vanta on the recipe, uh, with some lemon-lime soda, I assume Sprite or 7 Up. With some grenadine, you can also use... um, I used uh, Luxardo cherries and the juice in it because it gives it a little more of that natural uh, sour cherry flavor rather than the grenadine. A Um, little
0: je ne sais quoi.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) grenadine is technically not cherry. It's pomegranate, so... Uh um, (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh, So then I uh, (laughs) threw some cucumber slices that was also mentioned in the recipe in there uh, to stew with all the rest of the juices with some lemon juice, some lime juice, some slices of those, uh, and uh, just to uh, give it some sort of kick which the girls seem to enjoy. Uh, I put a little peach schnapps and citrus vodka in there with some blood orange slices as well. Uh, See,
1: okay. I just want to make this abundantly clear. We could not taste any of that. At all. At all. Well okay, guests, okay. we could not tell we you could, what was in there.
0: We could taste like the the fruit flavors, right. but there was no alcohol taste. Like Christy literally said when we started drinking them, Christy was like, you could tell me that this was a mocktail and I would believe you.
2: That, <laughs> except
1: for the fact that Jordan made it. That,
2: that is is the idea that is kind of my mo? I get accused of uh, being some sort of uh, anti-christ figure or demon. <laughs> I sneak the alcohol underneath uh, all of the the well-balanced sweet plus bitter. Oh, I forgot. There's Angostura bitters. That's that's what balances that's what balances out the cocktail because uh, you've got all these different layers of sweet and light and crisp mm-hmm. and bubbly, and then you have some of the Angostura bitters to balance out that flavor and then you get to sneak that look at. <laughs> I mean, what an excuse to get day drunk. I also
0: uh... <laughs> spoiler alert, that's the whole reason for this podcast. Uh, no, we also uh, talk about books. <laughs>
2: uh, all right. Uh, I'll sign off here and let you guys get back to it. So
1: now beginning uh, our descent into our next location which is the beautiful country of denmark <laughs> for something a little spooky and a little
0: thrillery um for books that we both love passionately it is to date my all-time favorite thriller novel. It's, I compare every thriller I read It has to really this set the bar insanely high. It
1: really is. Um, we're both obsessed with this book. Indigo read it first, mm-hmm. and then sh- I was like, I have to read it, and I read it a couple months later. Mm-hmm. It's a five-star read. From both of us. From both of us, which is a big deal. That doesn't often happen. It doesn't often happen. And it is none other than The Chestnut Man.
0: Whoa!
1: Indigo, tell us about The Chestnut Man.
0: So, The Chestnut Man is a Scandinavian thriller written by Soren Um and it follows uh, a detective named Naya um, who is actively trying to get out of, like, field police work. Mm. She's trying to get into um, cyber police right. investigation because she's a single mom, um, and her detective hours don't really lend themselves to being a single mom and so we are following her on her last case which is of a serial killer um, who calls who leaves his calling card which is a chestnut man which is a uh A doll that they make in Denmark that is made out of two chestnuts and matchsticks. So you use a bigger chestnut for the body and a little chestnut for the head and then little matchstick arms and legs. Um, And he leaves one of these at each of the scene and he starts with the first killing um, by cutting off the victims. All the victims are women. He cuts off the first victim's hand. The next one he cuts off both her hands. At The next one he cuts off both her hands and one of her feet and they realize that he he's making chestnut men out of them basically Mm -hmm. um and what is really wild what sends this book into a complete tailspin is on this first chestnut man they find the fingerprint of christine hartung who is the daughter of one of the ministers in the the denmark government um and the daughter was kidnapped and murdered a year before. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of essentially, you have two
1: cases that you're basically mm-hmm. navigating. You're navigating essentially the reopening mm-hmm. of this other case. Um, that
0: was solved. There was, was a convicted... Right, that they put
1: someone away yeah. for it. And so it reopens all of those wounds. And so, of course, because it was a politician's daughter, she's a young girl. It was also a national news story. Um, so it just really reopens mm-hmm. a lot of those wounds on Which, top of the wounds mm-hmm. from these new victims. Yes. And so you have this two, you've got kind of the the sensationalized piece which is the mm-hmm. fact that there is that um, fingerprint but also then the real work of like who mm-hmm. is doing this
0: and also yes. why do that is this a happenstance and like is this it's just it's oh, so it's amazing so um, because while they're working this active investigation trying to figure out you know once the second killing happens and they realize that they're dealing with a potential serial situation how do we stop this from happening again how do we what is the length it's connecting them so they're working this active case but then they're also trying to figure out in the background how is Christine tied into this mm-hmm. but it's a very delicate situation right because the case is closed and the family is just starting to move out of active grief like they're just starting to get back into their lives and so they're having to tread very carefully because they can't investigate that portion of it the way that they normally would mm-hmm. because like It's already been covered, but clearly something. And the police and like the
1: police chief of this uh, department, they don't want him to touch this family. They're like, leave them alone. Mm -hmm. They've been through enough. Um, but, of course, like, they have questions, which ultimately mm-hmm. ends up to being this, like, false hope mm-hmm. that this do- that yes. their daughter is alive. Yes. And so, like, oh. again, navigating that dynamic um, and trying to, like, frantically put the pieces mm-hmm. together. Um, and there's just so many, like, twists and turns. Like, you can't trust anyone yes. in this book. And I just love, I love a good, like, twist ending. And this absolutely delivers seamlessly. Oh, like, my God. It-
0: it slows
1: blows you away because it's believable. Like it's mm-hmm. not an out of oh, field. Oh, absolutely. Like twist, but it's a twist that you're not expecting. And then as it's explained, it's mm-hmm. just like
0: blows it, you away. Oh my gosh. I mean, well, I think and we still think about it yes, all the time. Yes, oh, absolutely. And it's one of those twists that as the pieces start to come out and they start to come together and you start to realize what it is, like it's one of those twists that you're like, no, I can't believe this. Right, like, but you're I like, I refuse how to how does believe that this like you, until This has got to be a joke. It's explicit stated Mm
1: -hmm. um well and like you as the reader get to figure it out with naya the detective mm -hmm. because you obviously are getting the same information that she is and so there's this Mm -hmm. really incredible aspect of it of you are piecing it together at the same time as the character yes and that is just something that is really hard to do Mm -hmm. one because it's banking on the fact that a reader has not figured it out yet yes um and then two it's also just it's such a different experience of like you figured out as the character figures it out and so it's just like in real time almost of that experience oh, and it's, it's just
0: oh, it's so
1: good it's, it's so gorgeous. good
0: well and one of the things that I love about this is so there's a lot of politics at play right mm. but Naya is partnered up with an Interpol agent who is basically like sunlighting in Copenhagen, right? Because he ran into some problems in France and nobody wants to deal with him. And so Nylander, the chief is like, well, Naya, you're on your way out. So if you babysit him, I will give you your recommendation. Um, and so he doesn't want to play by the rules. Mark, um, is an Interpol agent. And so he goes all over the world. (laughs) Uh, and he doesn't care about the politics. He wasn't there a year ago as the entire police force was working on this case. (laughs) And as there was all of the fallout like he wasn't there and so he keeps pushing and prodding and so there's this like gorgeous gorgeous cut it with a knife tension that starts to build between Naya and Mark and then Naya slowly gets on his side but then between all of the rest of the police force and Mark especially the two detectives that solved the Christine Hartung case um it's so 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 well done. Like, it's it's really good. Literally it's everything so about good. this book is, like, seamless. It's so incredible. And um, the book, I think, is set in, like, October. Right. Very fall. Very spooky. Very spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we would be remiss if we did not talk about... The Netflix adaptation. Yes, there's a Netflix adaptation. (laughs) And listen, this is going to be rare. Don't get used to hearing this from us. Flawless. It is an incredible adaptation. It
1: is so well done. Literally
0: everything mm, is is spot
1: on. It's pretty much, is by the book. It literally
0: is incredible. Well, and I loved it because like the like the infrastructure is different in Denmark. Mm -hmm. And so reading the book, trying to like imagine what they mean when they're talking about these apartments, like living in Topeka, Kansas is going to look very different than living in the capital city of Denmark. Um, And so getting to see these shots of the place that, you know, Sworn was writing about, like, how he meant it to look, like, was mm-hmm. incredible. It was, like, it was so good. Absolutely. It was so similar to how I pictured them. I was just like, this is so spot on. And it also, like, <laughs> watching it on the screen, I, there were, like, things that were, that like brought heightened attention. Like I had more attention to them in the show than I did in the book. Mm -hmm. Like in the book, I kind of glossed over them because I just wanted to get back to the mystery. But one of the things that I think the show does really well is it doesn't let you look away from how Naya is destroying her personal relationships being in this job. And it's so hard because she wants to get out of this job so that she can have these personal relationships, Mm -hmm. but she can't stop Destroying them by being in this Right, and and you have to choose. Like, we really get to
1: see, both in the book, but especially in the show, um, Naya essentially having to choose between solving this case and stopping this murderer or a relationship with her daughter. And that's such Mm -hmm. an incredible, like, it's such a hard spot to be in. So not only are you, like, in this thriller, like, trying to solve this case, you're also, like, it's this perfect inclusion of the family drama side Mm -hmm. of things. This absolute mess that she's in trying to navigate how do I solve Mm -hmm. this like crisis that absolutely has to be solved like I am the one that is going to stop these killings they keep Mm -hmm. coming or do I go to my daughter's play am I able to show up to conferences like all of those aspects that are Mm -hmm. so important to her daughter um, but not the world and then you have this thing that is case is so important to the world but but not to her daughter Mm -hmm. and it's just ugh
0: and I really love that it's examining like how can she be a working single mother without shaming her for being a working single mother? Yep. It is It is so good. It is a five-star read. Mm-hmm. Absolutely worth your trip to Denmark
1: by reading this story. It's well done. If you are even remotely into thrillers or that kind of type of thriller drama, it's you have incredible. to read it. It is like the baseline that I now base every other thriller Jeez. on because
0: it's just so good. It's, it's just so good. It's so incredible. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop myself from talking about <laughs> it because I think I will spoil it. My Don't spoil it because, again, the
1: twist ending it's is so it, it good. It's so you good. You will
0: literally, literally, you will not see it coming. I would like, I would pay someone money if they told me that they saw the twist coming. You heard it here first. If you can <laughs> guess, if you have not read The Chestnut
1: Man yet and you are about to read it and you can, let us know. DM us on instagram if you know the killer like your guesses is who it is and if yes. you get it right then indigo will venmo you money i
0: will pay <laughs> you money it won't be a lot of money but it will be money will be maybe a dollar maybe <laughs> but a nonetheless
1: dollar. you will still get something so if you are about to read the just that man dm <laughs> us your guesses as to who the killer is uh and if you are correct you may get a dollar or something
0: <laughs> you may know. be <laughs> entitled to financial compensation <laughs> 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 Well, that wraps up
1: our Denmark portion.
0: We are now taking off, and
1: Christy, would you like to tell us where we are landing next? Yes, we are going to begin our descent uh, into China, um, but not modern-day China. We'll be p- going back in time just a little bit. We're going to go to be. I didn't. I didn't realize that our
0: plane was also a TARDIS. <laughs> it is. It actually can travel through time and space. It is um, bigger on the inside. It's on the
1: inside. <laughs> um, so we are actually headed back to China in 19. 19- 37 for uh my book the library of legends by janie chang um this is one of the books i read early in my goodreads days um so i gave it a five stars um i apparently need to reread it because i'm worried that that was early in my days and i wasn't hardened by my uh, uh rating system as Indigo pointed out um so I She hadn't read enough books to be cynical yet. <clears throat> right, and now I'm pretty I'm pretty stingy with those five-star reads, so I'd have to see. But I did really enjoy this book. And so it is a very magical read. And so essentially, what this book is about is it's China, 1937. Um, essentially, the Japanese begin to bomb China, essentially, across the country, but specifically it focuses on the city of Nanking. Um, and we have our main character, 19-year-old Hu Lian, uh, and her class are at the university in that town and basically they are task to survive um, and so essentially her classmates her faculty everybody they begin this 1000 mile walk to get to the safe western provinces um, and so they have to take essentially anything and everything that they can from the university there to protect it because everything is about to be bombed um, and so they begin the journey and you know at first it kind of seems like this really fun cool little class trip like they're going on this adventure So um, fun, so fun, nobody really understands they're like 19 Nobody really understands what's happening. Um, And what's interesting about um, our main character is, so she actually comes from like the lower class of the family, but a lot of university students come from the wealthy and upper class. So a lot of people, they know where their families are. Their families are safe. They're able to communicate. um, They're able to afford to do like write letters and send stuff and do all these things. um, And her family cannot. She has no idea where they are. So every time they get to a new city, she's frantically checking like refugee camps and trying to figure out is her family alive? Mm -hmm. Are they safe? She has no idea idea. Everything seems okay as they're chilling um, in this kind of caravan across uh, the country, but then one of the students ends up dead Um, and so it kind of is the moment where everything changes and you realize like really how genuinely dangerous this journey is it is not fun it is not safe it is truly a journey to safety Um, and of course they have a lot of different things with them along this trip but the most important thing that they have is a priceless treasure um, which is the 500 year old collection of myths and folklores known as the library of legends Their main and like number one duty is to essentially make sure that these books are unharmed and make it to the Western provinces. So that's their fundamental duty. Um, and there's a lot of different things that happen in there. You kind of have some some romance things that happen, Ooh. some drama within the classmates. Um, of course, at this time as well, communism is starting to grow. Um, and so there's a lot of political tension as well, as you kind of re- like reckon with the war that is going on, as well as um, the communist like kind of red wave that is coming through, as well as people that don't agree with that, um, all trying to navigate this experience together. Um, and all throughout this, the library of legends is mystical and magical. And so there is moments of this like kind of magical realism where these lore uh, come to life. And so people, from, like the creatures and the things talked about in these stories, like come to life and talk to professors and different things. And so as you have this kind of wartime drama, it's also a fantasy. And there's wow. also these different elements there. And so... It is just a really, really cool thing. Um, And it's like, there's a lot of really dynamic characters. There's a lot of really interesting um, relationships between them. Um, And then on top of that, there's these like, you know, folklore creatures that are real and are engaging with these students in ways that they don't even know. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is only one professor that can like see and so it's super interesting because they wow. can't see um, the the creatures like in the folklore mm-hmm. and the different things that are happening, but some can. Um, and so it's just it's a, such a fascinating story, um, and it's just a time that is so turbulent. So on like there's so many different things that these mm-hmm. students and the characters have to be worried about. So you're worried about it as they're making this trek, trying to find safety, trying to protect these books, um, while also navigating being college students but also being in different classes and also navigating wartime and what that really means. Um, So I really, really enjoyed it. There's so many different elements to the story that I loved Um, and so for me, again, I gave it five stars. I don't know if I'd give it five stars again now (laughs) um, but I definitely loved it, it's at least a four star read. Um, So that was my um, last little international story I wanted to feature but I really, really enjoyed it. So I know you have it sitting on your shelf I definitely think it's worth a read because I would love to know yeah. what you rate it, particularly yeah. after I rated it early on five stars. Yes. So I'm
0: really curious
1: to see which you would rate
0: it. I well, I'm excited, and I'm currently going through a bit of a change in my rating scale. Where, yeah, you know, I. I love to give books five stars. Like, you it's do, true. I I' like, And there's I, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. When I love a book, like, I want to give it five stars. Um, but my godmother recently was telling me about her rating scale where, like, three stars, like, yeah, it was a good book. Four stars, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Five stars are the books that if a tornado was coming, those are the books she would take into the into the storm shelter. And I'm like, oh, Okay. I like that because there are a lot of books that I've rated five stars because, like, I really enjoyed them and there was nothing that, like, I didn't like, (laughs) you know? And so I'm like, yeah, I'll give this five stars. But then I have books like... Greenwood and the Heart's Invisible Furies and the Seven and a Half Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle right, were like top notch, top notch. Mm-hmm. And I started feeling bad for these books that like are truly incredible that are rated five stars with other books that I didn't find anything I didn't like. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of readjusting my rating scale. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing more four star, more four and a half star books. <laughs> that, um, you're getting, you're gonna get stingy with that. I'm gonna five get star. stingy you're with the five. Me. So I'm super interested to read Library of Legends. I also, I think I've said I love magical realism. You essay this one. Again, I mean it's just,
1: it's so well done and I just love like how the like legends and folklore, like they tell stories around the fire mm-hmm. and you you can see the elements and, and themes of that play out in real life, mm-hmm. and so it's just like that combination of that is really cool, and it's just such a fascinating time in history, and it's so interesting to learn their like their folklore and a little bit more about that Chinese culture um, is really really cool.
0: Well, thank you guys for coming on our world tour. Uh, we'll reboard LGL Air Flight 004, um, and we'll touch down wherever you're located. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned. We're going to have a quick ad break um, and then we will be back to talk about our last now next. What?
1: All right. Thank you for traveling with LGL Skies. We've officially landed. <laughs> We've got our bags from, um, you know, the checked baggage area, and we are home, safe and sound, ready to talk about our last now
0: next. We hope you had a pleasant flight with us, and that you plan to journey with us again. say <laughs> we had entirely too much fun
1: on this segment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Indigo, I must know. Your last now next. And I know you (laughs) were so amped to talk about your last. You're literally stretching. I'm literally literally cracking my knuckles and stretching. I'm so excited. I feel like you're about to talk about a very controversial book. I am. And so our dear listeners, after you hear her full review and Mm -hmm. her discussion of (laughs) her last (laughs) book... Please let we us know, your hear, we let hear me hear know your if you have strong opinions either way, or not a strong opinion. I would like to know why, because I feel like this book is controversial.
0: It is, and okay. I want you dive right in. Tell us so all about it. I haven't mentioned her yet this episode, uh, but Letha and I did talk. About <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Letha and I did talk about this a lot after I finished it because Letha read it and was like, "Oh my god, you have to read this book." And so we were talking about it after because we both loved it, and so we were like hashing out, like, um, "It's so interesting." because it is really controversial and the reasons that people hate it are the reasons that I love it. Um so the book is Iron Widow by Zirin J Zhao. Um and it is oh my god, I loved it so much. Um, it's a it's a five-star read for me. Like in my new rating scale like five stars, I would give it 10 stars. Like I would give this star, I would give this book a thousand stars. Like I love this book. Um, So for those of you that don't know about Iron Widow, uh, Iron Widow is a sci-fi book that is um, based in Chinese history, but it's not historical fiction. Like, the author has been really clear on that. I think a lot of people go in thinking that it's going to be, like, alternate history of China, and it is not that. Um, but what the author wanted to do was they wanted to write a sci-fi version of the rise to power of the only ever female empress in China, Wu Zetan um, And so our main character is Zetian, And in this world, humanity is at war with the Hunduns. And the Hunduns are... Um, a race of aliens, uh, and their bodies are made out of what's called spirit metal. And there's five different types of spirit metal. There's uh, fire, water, metal, wood, and earth. Um, And everyone has their primary chi, and your primary chi is one of those types. Um, And so what they have done is with the carcasses of the hunduns that they've killed, they are able to create what they call chrysalises. And a chrysalis is a giant robot. that people pilot, (laughs) which if you, you know, listen, I've been really upfront about this. If it has a giant robot that people pilot, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. If it's got kaijus, if it's got giant monsters, I'm going to read it. If it's got giant robots, I'm going to read it. I'm a woman of simple (laughs) needs, And so, um, In this society, it's very rooted in Chinese tradition, um, and so women are very much second-class citizens. They're only viewed as being good for either being wives or being sold to the army to be concubine pilots. And so, how these, how the piloting system works is they, the primary pilots are young men, and they pilot these chrysalises with their chi, with their spirit energy, um, and they have concubine pilots to essentially supplement the energy. Um, but the men's spirit pressure is so much higher than women's spirit pressure that really often the concubine pilots die in battle um, and they become linked to the male pilot and as soon as they disconnect from the chrysalis like all of their inherent brain function stops so like their heart stops beating, they stop breathing like all of this stuff Um, and so Zaytan's older sister sold into the army was sold into the army by her family uh, to be a concubine pilot and she dies, not in battle which is, like, a big thing. I say, okay, So okay. she was, and so her family's mad because they don't get the payout from having their daughter die in battle. And so Zay-Ten, um enlists purposefully under the pilot that her sister was under. And she goes with the express purpose of killing him. And what happens is she gets there, like, she goes through all of, like, the trials and the makeup um, and meets him, and then there's an attack. And she's the closest concubine pilot. And so he takes her in. um, And her determination is so strong that she kills him. And she basically uses him to power up the chrysalis. And she controls it. And she becomes what's called an iron widow. Um, Ooh, okay, And, oh my god, it's so good. And there's another pilot um, who is very controversial because he's a convicted murderer. He killed his family, which, like, in this traditional society, like, killing is bad, obviously, Right. but killing his brothers and his father, even worse. Right, oh my gosh. So he's a convicted killer, um, but he gets conscripted to the army because Mm. he has the highest spirit pressure since the Emperor of Legend. And but the problem is because his spirit pressure is so high, he kills every single concubine pilot that goes Mm. into the mech with him. So they pair her up with him and they end up being a balanced match. Oh, and so it's this like raging. She is a rage monster. And I love it because she is like, well, why is it set up this way? Why are men in control, huh? Why are they making the decisions? And I think a lot of the problem, like why this book is so controversial is it's touted as like a feminist book. And a lot of like um, current feminism is all about like, well, taking the high road and like being the better person, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and zayten is not. She is not the better person. She's like, well, you suck and I'm gonna kill you. And I don't care. I don't care if you think that I suck. I don't care if you think that I'm awful. Like. I don't care. I didn't plan on living this long. So, um, so she's so angry and it was like so gratifying to me as a person who constantly just has to like, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. And so I'm constantly like swallowing my opinions. I'm constantly like never talking back. I'm always like, I feel like I'm always making myself smaller. And so it was so gratifying for me to read this book where she said, no, I'm not going to make myself smaller. I'm going to make myself bigger and I'm going to make you smaller. You don't get to tell me what size I'm gonna be. Like I'm in control of this situation. Like try me, try me and see what happens. She's so incredible. She's so feisty. She's so fiery. Um, and one of the things that I really love about this book, you know, I've shared I'm bisexual. Um, this book has bisexual rep. Um, nice. So good. And it has a healthy example of a polyamorous relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know they set up a love triangle and. They're there's even like some jokes about it in the book and then like they make it a true triangle and like there's this whole running gag about like well the triangle is the strongest shape um and they have this poly relationship uh and it's so interesting there's like a twist at the end um I know a lot of people didn't like it because uh, they felt like things weren't really explained, like the gender politics weren't really explained, and like the conflict with the Hun wasn't really explained. And so then, like these big reveals that happen later on in the book, like they didn't like it because they felt like the author didn't do the the legwork. Mm-hmm. I loved it um, because I felt like it was really representative of the society that that the author set up, right? Because like they're not going to question why they're at war with these aliens when like they feel like it's their right to. be there and fight them right they're not gonna question the gender politics of the society that they're Mm -hmm. in and so I feel like we finally get a a character who's questioning it and she's like yeah why is this happening and she's like rebelling against it and then finds out why it's set up that way Um, so I loved it I literally cannot recommend it enough I thought it was so good. I'm literally screaming.
1: I oh, know. Okay. I have a question about mm-hmm. this book specifically. So I saw this book on Talk, and okay, with all of its controversies, mm-hmm. but I did see something and I'm curious as to your thoughts on this. I've seen a lot of people describe this book as ADHD friendly and that that is like part of the like draw for a lot of readers is that it is like almost like and some of the reason Mm -hmm. that some people don't like it is that it is kind of geared towards more of a neuro uh, neurodivergent mind versus like a kind
0: of I would say absolutely quote unquote normal novel in that sense yeah I would say absolutely I have seen I didn't ever hear that described that way but it makes a lot of sense but I've seen a lot of people who didn't like that it was like bam 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 happen 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 things are going on, there's not a lot of like sitting and reflecting and thinking and planning and stuff like that. It's very like action heavy and I loved it. I was eating it up. I couldn't put it down. I have ADHD Um, and I, yeah, oh yeah. It's like, um, oh, I love that. Yeah, I do think it's ADHD friendly. but I really, really loved this book. I cannot wait for the second one. I'm so excited because they've set up like, you know, this, like the main characters between a rock and a hard place at the end of the first one. Rant over, I'm gonna reel myself back in. (laughs) Christy, what was your last read? (laughs) Um, So technically my last read was My
1: Sister the Serial Killer, but we have (laughs) obviously already discussed this book. So I'm gonna jump back actually a bit further um, and talk about um, This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel. um, is that was the book I read before. Um, and this is a story um, about a child named Poppy. Um, and essentially it is this this young child is navigating gender dysphoria and how they want to identify and who they are. Um, and it kind of you see their revelations as they kind of grow up of who they are um, and who how they identify at such a young age, knowing like even though uh, Poppy was signed male at birth, like recognizes early on like when I When I grow up, can I be a little girl? Like, can I wear dresses? And this conversation that starts happening, um, and then you get to see the parents' response to this um, and navigating that and how they're these parents. They just try to be so supportive, and that's what they want to do. They love their child, but you see their process of mourning kind of the loss of their son while also celebrating the birth of their daughter, Um, but also kind of navigating this really interesting dynamic of like the in-between, the gray kind of, area that we don't really get see, uh, see addressed really ever. And so one of the biggest things is early on in the book, when Poppy starts kindergarten, they're like, okay, well, if she's trans, then this is the protocol. She can use the women's bathroom. She can do whatever she needs. Like, yeah, great. But if she's not, and you don't call her trans, then he is a boy in a dress and that's distracting and he's not allowed to do that. And basically talking about how even when situations are trying to be accepting there's still this expectation of the gender binary like you are still either one or the other mm-hmm. um and you get to see these parents wrestle with these massive decisions of how to parent their kid um some kind of like replicate uh, essentially things that go wrong and then having to deal with the consequences of some of the actions that they took to protect and love their kid um, you get to see other people's reactions other families reactions other student reactions um, in all sorts of different topics in this uh, book. And there is some criticism because it's not exactly a, a, a perfect representation. Of course, not every parent is willing to try and willing mm-hmm. to love their kid through these transitions like our the mom and dad and Rosie and Penn are. Um, and they're, uh, so it's not a perfect, obviously, experience and not exactly accurate there, but it still, I think, is a great way. And I appreciate that it was kind of a very like contemporary drama book mm-hmm. with that as part of it. So you, the heart of it is this story of a child figuring out who they are um, and navigating this gender dysphoria and figuring out are they who do they identify as? I read it for my book club, and we had some really great conversations about how we treat children and mm-hmm. how we assign such rigid gender roles again, even when trying to be inclusive. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay if you're trans, but it's not okay if you don't know. Um, and how we even force kids to make decisions like that at mm-hmm. young, like young ages, just to get the care and the love that they need to, to go through that experience. And what happens as you know, people change and grow like, what a child thinks may not be exactly mm-hmm. who they turn out to be and that is completely okay but because we assign such a binary even in the most inclusive of ways yeah how does the like you know if and, the, and even in this story we see poppy at one point decides he is Clod. he has been exposed and he goes back to being Clod, and he is like well really he says he's no one um because he's that devastated but Because he doesn't have that option to be in the in-between. And, like, it causes, obviously, some issues between the parents because dad is like, no, she is still our poppy, but mom is like, well, but now he's... Our clod, and mm-hmm. it's a really difficult scenario of like that in between of how do we navigate when it's not one way or the other? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you love them through that in between, and then also how our systems are just not built for that. Oh, absolutely, it's like pushing this poor kid that has to make these decisions at such a young age. Um, mm-hmm. and they don't 100% know yet, and that's completely okay. Um, so it is, it's a really interesting story. It was a little bit heavy, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's covering a lot of different topics, but um, it was a good one. It was a great book club read. It fact, again, some really wonderful conversations, so really enjoyed that one. Gave it four stars. Um, so would recommend, um, especially if you're looking at diving into a topic, especially if you don't mm-hmm. know much about gender dysphoria or the trans journey, I think this mm-hmm. is a really great way to, to lo- learn a little bit more about that story. Awesome. So, Indigo, what are you reading
0: All right. Now. So right now, I am reading Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. Um, and this is the third book that I've read by her. Uh, I'm a big fan of hers. I found her with her first, like, huge release, which was Station Eleven, um, which, fair warning, that is a pandemic book. Um, I know I have kind of been steering clear of pandemic books, not really the thing I wanna read right now for escapism. Um, So have that on your radar if you decide to read that one. Uh, The last book that she came out with was The Glass Hotel and Sea of Tranquility is kind of following that like weird experimental uh, dynamic and it is jumping through time. So it opens in like 1912 with a young man who has been essentially exiled from his like posh family in England. Uh, And he is sent to Canada. And he has this, like, experience where he gets a vision into the future, um, but it's a future that, like, he can't comprehend because it's 1912, and he's seeing, like, Mm -hmm. 200 years in the future. Right. And so, like, it just doesn't comprehend, and it kind of starts him on a path to madness. Um, And then we get, I was really excited for this, we get a connection in, like, the 2010s, Back to the Glass Hotel, so we get a connection back, and so we see some of that element playing, and they start to introduce this kind of like time travel, um, and then we jump forward to uh, twenty or twenty two oh three where there's an author doing her earth book tour because she lives on colony two of the moon and so we're like jumping through all these different times and they're all connected um they're still it's still being set up right now but they're all connected through this theme of like time travel and this vision of the future that edwin had Mm -hmm. in 1912. And there's this, like, connection and this investigation that's going on. Um, it's really interesting. I haven't really found another author that writes quite like Emily St. John Mandel does. Um, and I really like her style. So, yeah. So I'm reading Sea of Tranquility. I'm very excited to see how it goes. Christy, what are you reading right now? Um, uh, You know, my
1: perfect for summer read is the dark academia thriller, <laughs> mystery thriller that I'm reading right now. Um, so I'm reading If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio. Um, listen, this book did not have me in the first half. Uh, say first half. First 20 pages. Um, there yeah, were you, some were, you
0: were texting me about it. You were I, like, I, just, I don't know
1: if I can hang with this. Because I was, it was, there were just things that like, this book was published in 2017 and I just couldn't could not fathom. That were in there, um, and just like the like the way they were describing things, I was just like, "What on earth is this author doing?" And who approved this? Mm-hmm. And it disappears after the first thirty uh, pages. Like I haven't seen anything since. Um, but I do kind of want to warn you guys that first, there's like three specific instances that were like abrasive. Like it took me out of the story immediately mm-hmm. because I was like, "Who says this?" So the plot of the book is basically they're they're at this elite arts college, um, and. So our, it follows our main seven characters who are the are the actors, uh, and they specialize in Shakespeare specifically. And so they are your classic theater nerds. They talk mm-hmm. in Shakespeare lines all the time. <laughs> um, but there's a couple times like in the beginning. So they're getting ready to do kind of auditions or different things, and they mm-hmm. there's this moment where the like acting teacher they say is like looking over each person like a slave trader is looking over things. And I was like, hey. who says that? I was absolutely baffled by that yeah there was like just it was so unnecessary and distract like it was Mm -hmm. just like who approved this like i was greatly disappointed in the author and then also the entire team that would Mm -hmm. like let something like that because there was, like, there's no reason. <laughs> there's no need. There's no reason for that. There's a thousand other ways to describe it, and it mm-hmm. says a lot that they chose that. But essentially, as they are going through, uh, it's their fourth year, their last year in this program, and so again, it's all arts kids, so it's this really small school. It's got all these really niche things. Um, but they are doing a couple different Shakespeare's plays. So they're doing Macbeth, and they're doing um, Caesar. Ooh. And so, as they're in these roles, like, the tension builds both on stage and stage, mm-hmm. And, like, like as it's like the characters they're playing like affect who they are being in real life and there's a lot of like really kind of like the tension like you can cut it with a knife it is building right now oh, man. um and it's like they do some really cool things but there's like huge conflicts happening with like a couple there's seven of them but there's like the kind of your your dashing leading man his name is Richard but he is Richard is also very affectionately known as Dick cuz he is the worst <laughs> (laughs) Um, Because he is not a very nice guy, particularly this fourth year, because he, Mm -hmm. um, there's kind of moments where, like, he doesn't get the leading role. Like, he's kind of been typecast to be. So that sparks some things. And then there's some kind of relational drama between him and his girlfriend. His girlfriend's kind of interested in some other guy. And so, like, this tension is just building. And it's coming Mm -hmm. out on stage. They have to do these scenes together. Oh, no. So there's a scene in Caesar where, obviously, uh, Richard's playing Caesar. And he gets, obviously, stabbed. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen (laughs) uh, Shakespeare plays um but during that scene he's like gripping another one of the actors like so hard that it's leaving massive bruises wow like the, and he's like just causing problems on stage where they can't do anything about it and so then they like all of the guys are like you know the final night they're like we're gonna get him like we're gonna get him back so then like during the stabbing scene they just try to beat him up on stage so like the tensions are so high and then afterwards like they do like a rap party like every Theater kid and of course they're all drunk and like tensions just are super high it's super crazy and a lot goes down that night Um, but the biggest thing is like and this is exactly where i left off but like one of the characters ends up in the lake (gasps) and it appears that they are dead but then at the last second of the chapter that's exactly where i stopped they like,
0: you know. Oh no! So I don't don't, literally have goosebumps. <laughs> so
1: we, I have some suspicions of like who done it, mm-hmm. um, but we're still early on. Like I'm, I'm not I mean, like maybe like a like not quite a halfway through the book, so there's still a lot to go. Okay. Um, but the book is basically being told like a play. Like you have like scene one, scene two, scene three. Oh. Because you're being told by one of the characters who is getting he's gotten out of jail. The person that put him in jail, like for this exact case whatever has happened but we don't 100% know yet we're leading okay. up to it um he is out of prison and he's talking to his former officer that put him away that is off the force he's like listen you don't have to i, I can't put you away there's you, i can't charge you with anything i'm also not on the force anymore i just mm-hmm. want to understand what the heck happened like what how did we get here and so he's like i'm not going to tell you until i'm outside of this prison completely and so he gets out of the prison they're at they go back to the college where everything went down oh. and he's telling the story like, like in a flashback, almost like to this officer, um, and wow. so it's interesting because again we're leading up to to who, how did we get there, and what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really interesting like premise. You've got some really kind of again the quirky characters within being just like Shakespeare nerds, like mm-hmm. theater nerds. Like it's such an interesting dynamic and kind of an interesting school environment, um, and also some like who done it and some wow. tension. So I'm I'm eager, I'm super hyped to
0: see where this ultimately goes because I'm, very- I'm enjoying it. A lot now. Yeah, this is on my TBR, so I'm very interested to hear what uh, you think about it when you finish it. I say if you're a Shakespeare nerd, you're in for a treat. <laughs> if
1: you don't like Shakespeare, there's gonna be a lot of Shakespeare in there. <laughs> Um, So, uh, Indigo,
0: what are you going to read next? So, I am super excited. It it took me a while because I had to order online after it wasn't in the store. Um, But my next read is going to be The Kingdom of Copper by S.A. Chakraborty, um, which is the sequel to The City of Brass, which I think I talked about um, when I was reading it. But it is a fantasy set in the 1700s, and it starts in... In Egypt uh, and throughout the first book our main character Nari who's kind of like a con artist she pretends she's a medicine woman but she's really like casing her clients and like figuring out when they're gonna be away from their houses and she goes and she robs them um, she accidentally summons a djinn uh, a genie warrior specifically um, who is like oh my god you are a living descendant of The what used to be the ruling bloodline that was completely wiped out in essentially a genie civil war in a gen civil war, and he's like, I'm gonna take you back to the capital city, and we're gonna like get you established there. Um, And so the first book is following that relationship and following that journey and kind of the political unrest and like uprising that happens when they get to the capital city. Um, And the first book ended. On, a, on some wild notes. Some truly <laughs> insane notes. Um, and I am so excited see, to You read were the like, farewell after you finished that I plot. I was. Like, I was rabid. The fact that you bought it. Like, <laughs> I, I did not just, stress that enough. I bought like, the you, like, first one, and then I immediately went out and bought two and three. Like, yeah, I... I'm absolutely obsessed. I'm so excited. I actually... I was telling Christy earlier today before we started recording, I'm refusing to read the synopsis of the second book. Like, I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know anything going into it. I just want to be going... Off of the vibes of finishing the first one. I'm so excited. So, Christy, um, so what is your next vacation read going to be? That is such a good
1: question, Indigo. <laughs> I, I genuinely have no idea. Um, but I have some contenders. So um, I've got kind of the three that I will have on hand um, or potentially it may bring. So the first one is, uh, again, another perfect summertime read. Um, the next in the echo Akotar- <laughs> which is a, uh, a Court of Frost and Starlight. Um, it's kind of like a little novella in between. Um, book Lovers, which mm, you might hear more about. <laughs> wink, wink, um, hit, hit. <laughs> And then um, I also got a book called uh, Reborn in the USA, um, which is like kind of like a memoir type of situation with um, a podcaster that I really enjoy from the Men in Blazers podcast, which is an English Premier League. Soccer podcast, which is my other niche interest. Uh, but anyway, it's like his story um, of growing up in Liverpool, a very political seat, like city, and navigating, like always wanting to move to America because it was this like golden place. It was always what you saw in the movies. It was incredible. It was going to be different, um, and essentially how he came to like love America despite everything that America is. Um, but I love the way that he views the world. So I'm super curious about that. I thought that would be kind of fun since we were going to be like road tripping in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that could be kind of a fun way to the little love letter to the U.S. as we're driving across it. Um, but those are kind of what I'm choosing between. Do you have any strong feelings of one you Ooh. should read at first?
0: <laughs> well, I know um, how hyped you have been <laughs> for a Kotar. Um, and I know that you've been kind of like putting it off. Yes, Um, because, oh my god, here's the thing. (laughs) So, it's been kind of
1: dramatic because the paperback version of the, like, the most recent Accord of Mm -hmm. Silver Flames was when I first looked at it was supposed to come out in May for the US, and so I was like, okay, perfect, I'll just stagger it so I don't have to just sit here and I have Mm -hmm. something to, like, you know, entertain me in the meantime. But then, now it's been postponed to, like, September. Oh, no. And the only way you can get a paperback copy right now, like, physically purchasing it is if you get the British version. And that is not the same size oh no so if you oh, get it it doesn't no. fit with the other paperback no, and so no, people no, no, have no, done no, that no. to kind of like get around the fact that it's not available in the US yet mm, and, I don't like that right and then it doesn't like it doesn't match like it doesn't okay. it, does, it doesn't vibe and so like here's their bookshelf of like it's all the same size it's the pretty bright colors but then one is like significantly smaller mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: so therefore and then of course as my friend Reagan kindly pointed out she was like you could just borrow it from somebody and I was like that actually makes too much sense um, and it's a little novella too so I think it'll be a good one yes. as I was telling Indigo earlier I've been in a little bit of a reading slump I've liked the books that mm-hmm. I've read but they've been slower paced it hasn't been as energizing to read not mm-hmm. quite in, not quite into the escapism uh, so I think a good you know a novella in a whole different fantasy world would, would do me some good right well that wraps up this wonderful worldwide adventure that you got to experience with us today thank you so much for listening um, and for being a part of this journey with us if you loved what you hear please give us a 5 star rating give us a shout out Um, that's a huge huge help in us growing Mm -hmm. so if you like what you hear we would love to hear that Um, I believe that is Serby Serby says you should rate 5 stars (laughs) if people
0: cry so do it for Serby and you really don't want to make my baby puppy dog cry do you listen he's so sad he's so sad Oh, there he is there he is again so make sure 5 stars for
1: Serby everybody Um, but you also definitely give us a follow so Mm -hmm. you can follow our podcast account on Instagram at Let's
0: Get Liddy Pod and if you have worldwide books that you think we should read or talk about if we've already read, um, please DM us and tell us what they are. We would love to hear what your worldwide your worldwide wrecks are. Yes. So then we can do a part two. <laughs> whoop whoop. And Indigo, where can they follow you? Yes. <laughs> read your massive Iron Widow review. <laughs> yes. I know that you guys are all chomping at the bit to read my truly massive Iron Widow book review. Um, so you can follow my bookstagram at read.with.indie and it's I-N-D-I. Alright, and for me, uh, you can
1: uh, follow me at at Christy Reads. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y dot Reads. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Give us a shout, and if you can
0: guess the Chestnut Man Killer, Indigo will give you a dollar. Absolutely, and as always if you want a list of all of the books, and now the fanfare that we have mentioned on the podcast take a look at tinyurl.com slash mentioned books and all the fun links
1: and all this information will be in the bio if you can't remember it and we will see you next time cheers
2: cheers